Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bigfoot Club. Robert Jensen Dominguez, Ash Tucker, Stephen Robert Dominguez, Earl the Earl Kennedy. Believe in us, believe in Bigfoot Club, because we are too sweet. This is Jennifer Reuter with Cool Gals Paranormal, and you're listening to a Bigfoot Club podcast. Hey everybody, Bigfoot Club, Season 2, Episode 26. Robert Jesse Dominguez with Ash Tucker. Ash, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, I'm super excited today. We got a, we have a really good uh, guest today. Oh uh, yeah. So, are you, I know you're excited. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm always excited to be here. Every um, time. Our, our guest today is Mike L. Hall. Mike, say hello to everybody. Hey everybody, Mike. It's been it's been a yeah. long time. It's been a long time since you and I talked, right? Oh man, way too long. Uh, uh, I think the last time we talked was in Atoka. Yeah, was yeah. It? That was uh, what 2012. Yeah, 2011, 2012. Because I was with at the time. Yeah. At the time, I was with Pentex with Kendall Wilkerson. We were yeah. We were doing yeah. That's a, right. Yeah. A presentation. Yeah. So, because you were yeah, you, yeah. That it was a charity event, wasn't wasn't it? Not? Yeah, yeah. It was a charity thing that we did there. Um, that's some pretty cool stuff there, though. Yeah. If the weather had if the weather hadn't <laughs> yeah hadn't uh, thrown a monkey wrench on that that one day, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, if you if, and if you remember, um, <clears throat> uh, my good friend uh, Daniel Fautner was there. Yes, he works. Yeah, he works for Weta Workshop uh, in uh, New Zealand and was part of the art department for all of the Lord of the Rings movies. And uh, uh, he was uh, actually he was in the art department for James Cameron's Avatar as well. Wow! He, oh yeah! He oh yeah! 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 He designed uh, uh, Natiri's bow and loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> what a job! Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Well, as he described, it, he spent nine months drawing blue butts. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Didn't he? Didn't he have like the like the the feet of? Um, oh yeah! 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 He had one of the actually. Uh, uh, one of the used Hobbit feet from the movie. He didn't say which actor it belonged to, but yeah. it was it was really freaky because you know, being at, we were at a Bigfoot deal, uh, and everybody talks about you know Bigfoot tracks and all this and dermal ridges. It was so cool to look at this prosthetic uh, piece of latex or or whatever that stuff was it felt like it felt like human skin uh i can't think I, silicone yeah silicone yeah. and to turn it over and look on the bottom and see that the detail in that was it had dermal ridges dermal ridges yeah i do i do remember that yeah <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, you could see the veins, you could see the color. I mean, like if you look, and I mean, it's just so realistic looking. And I thought, and I thought, wow, the detail. Well, then you know, of course, <clears throat> I did uh, a movie called Something in the Woods, which was a big movie. And I love that movie, the by guys, the way. I love that movie, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it was it was it was fun to do. It was like a just a. It, it was unlike any other film set I'd ever been a part of, but it was just like a bunch of friends got together and said, "Hey, let's go do this." Um, I want to ask and, you. Really, I want to ask yeah. you really quick. I want to ask you really quick about that movie, and then you can go ahead and keep on continuing. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But did you have a lot of influence on how the Bigfoot behavior there? Well, yeah. Well, that was kind of the thing was with David Ford was um, asking. A lot of, there was a lot of questions asked and in pre-production of that film uh, we sat and, and went through oh god uh, I can't count how many um, written Bigfoot encounters um, simply to look at behaviors that were described by people in in those encounters and he would make notes. And then when we got to the set, you know, and, and I have to, I have to, uh, and I'm going to make a big mistake here cause I can't remember the guy's name. I think it was Kevin. I'm not sure. Uh, he was one of two guys because we had two different guys actually in the suit while we were shooting. We had one guy that was like this, um, there's a part of the movie where you see the Bigfoot running really fast. And, and uh, so what we got this guy who was a really, he was like a track athlete in his college days. He was really tall. And, and so we wanted him because he was really fast. And then the other guy that was in the suit the most, he only did the, the, the track guy. He only did like the one day in the suit. The, the rest of the time it was Kevin and and I have to say that he, he kept he asked me a lot of questions and he also asked for some suggestions of what to just little things and I I told him I said you know what you know go find some nature programs about gorillas and chimpanzees and orangutans and just watch their movement and stuff. And, uh, he did. And especially, uh, how they would pick, pick up things or would use their hands, you know, stuff like that. There, there was a scene. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt it. There was a scene on there where the Bigfoot was like walking through the woods and he was like, mm-hmm. he was like slapping trees and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. I, I looked at that and I said, that's gotta be Mike Hall all the way. I was watching it. I go because like uh, like a couple shows before we had did a show called Longview, and we had a guy in that didn't want anybody to know who he was, and he had a really interesting story in Longview how this Bigfoot came out and confronted him, and then walked back in the woods. And as as it was walking back in the woods, it was slapping trees and you know just yelling while it was slapping trees. And so when I saw that scene, I go, man, that's got to be Mike Hall all the way. I I know it is. <laughs> so, but. Well, it was, it was, it was, no, it was, uh, uh, no, it was, 
we just took a lot of behaviors that were described in, in, in other, in actual sighting events. And we just incorporated those into what the Bigfoot in the movie was going to do. Um, it was, it was good. Know, so. it, it was good. I thought it was spot on. I mean, yeah, I, mean I, I, was I was impressed big time. And I was like, I go, this is the way a Bigfoot movie should be done. Right. You know? And so, well, it was the thing. It was the thing of we had, you know, David and I talked about this for a long. I mean, it was really kind of funny when I say that it was the way that it happened, that movie, how that movie came together. Um, I was really, I had met David. <laughs> it's funny how this works in this industry. I was doing another movie uh, called Devil's Deal. And uh, originally the title was called The Merchant, and it was kind of a a supernatural Western thing uh, about the, you know, this demon and all this stuff. It was crazy. And I was playing one of the bad guys in the movie, and David was one of of the henchmen that worked with me in the, as far as the characters go. And we got to hang out on set and got to be friends and, you know, we were talking back and forth and I was keeping up with what he was doing as an actor and he was doing the same thing with me. And, and he called me one night and said, Hey, I have this, I, he knew that I, I had done Bigfoot research. And so he calls me and he goes, Hey, I have an idea for a script and I want you to help me with it. And from day one, he and I pieced together a story which is basically melding the melding of two different um, taking bigger parts and elements from two different actual events. One was the, the, the cow man of Copeless beach and the other one was the Ruby Creek incident. And we took elements from both of those and we put made a created a fictional story about this family uh, we didn't place it in the Northwest. We placed it in Texas, in East Texas, in the Piney Woods and the thickets and stuff that. around around Caddo Lake area. As you can hear in the earlier uh, in the early opening credits, you hear the radio talk about Longview, Texas. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I seen him. You know about you know about Caddo Lake. You know, all, you know all these different things to lend everybody to know that, that we were talking about East Texas, not the Pacific Northwest and, and, or any other location. So, uh, so, so we took those two stories and we took the elements and then created what we had and just started with that. So basically it was like one guy going, Hey, you want to make a movie? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's go make a movie. And, and, and we, we had no idea of where to start, where it was just basic rudimentary guerrilla style filmmaking, really. Um, I mean, of course we had to do some things, you know, like we had to figure out locations we had to get cast and we had to get crew and things like that. We had to feed everybody and get hotel rooms and all that stuff. But, but it was still very much, um, a very small, group of people coming together and creating something that turned out that a lot of people really enjoyed. 
and are still really enjoying it because it's on Amazon Prime still. So I enjoy. I it. think it's on. I think it's on Voodoo too. I'm not sure, but but yeah, and and so you know, it was like uh, you know, I've been acting longer than I've been researching. Uh, uh, but I was in the early days, you know, it was just basically, you know, community theater and, and things like that. And then that, that has progressed to, you know, I started doing, uh, a voiceover work and then I, I, I got an agent and then I started doing, you know, TV, uh, extra work doing background, extra work on TV shows like Dallas and, uh, the Gilmore girls and, uh, the practice and, uh, uh, Chase and Lone Star, a bunch of, just a bunch of different, you know, I, I was on Chase on like six different episodes and I was on Dallas, like three different episodes or something like that. And, and I just spent those days learning about the film industry. And I, I got, you know, I started doing the same thing with film. I was like, uh, I did extra work on the Alamo and, I did extra work on uh, a movie called uh, Anarchist Cookbook and uh, American Outlaws and just a bunch of different film, you know, stuff like that. And I would just just learned and picked up things and got to know people, and uh, you know, just progressed from there. Uh, started doing a lot of commercial stuff, and you know, just. And especially after something in the woods, uh, I did another film called Loveland, uh, and I uh, just did a film called Caliber, and uh, you know, just it's just progressed beyond. But when I got to do something in the woods, it's kind of like getting to have my cake and eat it too. You know, I could I could be a you know, I could lend what I did in the research world to something that I that is a passion also. So it was kind of cool. To, to get to do that, I know. I know. Uh, you, we were talking off show about how you said you were acting, and I know you mentioned this just a while ago that you were acting before you did Bigfoot research. What What actually got you into acting? What was? I mean, where you know, where did you start at? You know, how, how does one get started in acting? <laughs> so, I mean, actually, it's a, you, you're going to love this. It's a really funny story. As a matter of fact, this is not that I have any ill will towards my ex-wife, but, <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, I was actually just working. I was just, you know, and even, even research was not, uh, in my immediate future as far as actually going out in the field and doing any, you know, kind of, but it was still a passing, you know, I get on the, internet and I would look at research sites and I would look at this and that, you know, and look at reports and, you know, it was, it was just a hobby that I, uh, an interest, you know, and I kept thinking, man, one of these days I'm going to do that, you know? Well, um, I came home from work one day and there was a newspaper laying on the uh, dining room table and it had a big red circle around this, this ad and I looked at it and I said, and it said uh, tryouts for this play for the community theater. Uh, and my ex-wife, I said, why did you do that? She goes, I am tired 
of hearing you watch a movie or watch a TV show and, and talk about how terrible you know that actor is or this actor is or whatever. Put your money where your mouth is and and do a better job and yeah. you know whatever. Well, she admitted much later that her fondest hope was with, that I would go down there, fall flat on my face, and that would be the end of it. What happened was I went to the audition and I came back with second billing. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. And, I'm, yeah. I'm, and, I'm yeah. that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, and then, and, and, and I really didn't realize I really still didn't. Even after she cast me, it, you know, the second billing is is you're just right behind the lead actor. You're just the you're the co-star basically of the pl- of the of the production. And so, <laughs> I had no idea really how this was going to go. I, I I mean, it was fine for me to get up there in front of just a few people and 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 read lines from a book right in front of me, but. You know, the memorization of both the blocking of the scene, having your your costume incorrect and, you know, your hair and makeup, because I actually had hair at that time. Uh, you know, it was, it was, it, you know, I didn't really ex- know what to expect. And opening night, you know, it was really one of those moments that you hear people talk about. Uh, the minute that I stepped out on stage, and delivered my lines that got a laugh from the audience. And I mean a big laugh. It was like, it was like a guy going deep sea fishing, I set the hook and reel it in. Cause I was hooked, man. I was, that was it. I knew right in that instant, this is what I am supposed to be doing. Was it like a adrenaline rush? Like you can't you can't describe? Or? Oh yeah, you can't you can't. Yeah, it was it was something. It was like a, a tingling sensation that came over me that I just could not, in a million years, explain to anybody unless you've had it happen to you in some form. And it doesn't. I'm not necessarily saying on a stage or or anything else. But if anything that you're passionate about, or you or the minute that you find something that just that you know this is what you're meant to be doing with your life, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about what you're, you're, you're supposed to be doing with your life. And that could be any walk or any profession. I mean, and you talk to people that are firefighters, talk to police officers, doctors. All, a lot of these people, it's not just a job for them. It's a passion. It's what they known that they were going to do their entire life came to it late in life. Right. I, I, the discovery for me didn't come at 12, 11, 15, 18, like some people, you know, I was in my twenties, late twenties when it happened to me. I mean, to me that, that says how, how good you are. I mean, to, to start that late and still, you know, you take off, you take off and you start doing movies and plays and stuff like that. So I must speak volumes on, on you're able to, you know, get the story, retain it and then deliver it the way it's supposed to go out. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a classic country song. I'm a 20 year overnight success. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) 
Yeah, trust me. And when I say I'm nowhere near the level of that I that I want, I, you know, I'm still. A, if Glenn Moore Shower heard me say this, he would he would probably slap me. But I'm still in in common parlance known as a struggling actor. I don't have any hit movies. Nobody really knows my name outside of the few people that have seen the films that I've done. None of them of which have been theatrical released, ex- you know, uh, except for the, the ones I was extra, I uh, played a background person in, but that, you know, they don't look for those people, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not at the level that I want, but I am striving, uh, in that direction. And, uh, yeah, you know, my mantra right now is, you know, I might not reach the finish line, but I will fall headed in that direction. Since the first gig you had was like, that was like a theater play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started out in theater. And and the cool thing was I, I, I did that play and then I did a, uh, I did a musical where, wow. I had to, where I had to, where I had to sing. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> so. Um, so it's the only, it's, it's the only, uh, musical that I ever, that I've ever done is meet me in St. Louis, which was, which was a, a, you know, famous movie that, uh, Judy Garland did, you know, ding, ding, ding with the trolley and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, and, and <clears throat> it was fun. And, but, uh, it turned out that the director, uh, her name is Donna Nichols and she was just, she's just the most, I don't, I haven't seen her or talked to her in years and years and years. Uh, just the most wonderful lady in the world. And, uh, her husband, Robert, very, they're both very, <laughs> extremely wealthy. He is, a uh, and so when she directed a play, she had like unlimited resources. And, and uh, her family benefited a lot. Uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. Her son was so good looking. He was a Tommy Hilfiger model. Uh, her daughter was a big financial person in New York and, and stuff like that. It was, and so I, I did that play. Well, it just so happened that some of her son's friends that were also models for Tommy Hilfiger and some of her friends, her daughter's friends from New York came to visit and they were all there and they came to the dress rehearsal the night before opening. And I had like three people that came to me from New York and they were like, and this one guy, I'll never forget. He goes, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm doing a play. He goes, "No, no, what are you doing here? And I said, I don't, I don't understand. He goes, man, he said, you need to be in New York or Chicago or LA. You don't need to be in little B Rust, Texas. And, and it kind of uh, struck something in me. And I started actively trying to pursue film work. Uh, and I was a dismal failure at it. <laughs> For a long time, uh, you know, I made a, I, I did get selected to go to a uh, acting and modeling, I don't know what you call it, a convention. I got selected at a 
there was 1,500 people show up at the, at the Anatole in Dallas, and they, they were picking 11. And I, I, got, I got selected to go to L.A. and audition in front of all these different casting directors and agencies and all this other stuff. And I had to, I had to write my, I had to have my own prepared material. And, uh, and that led, you know, that led to staying in Los Angeles for a little while. And that's where I got to do like some, some work on Gilmore girls and the practice and, and, um, uh, a few other things. And then I came back for some, fam- yeah, I had some family things happen and came back and actually stepped away from acting for uh, five years, six years. And uh, uh, a lady that was the director at the Tyler Civic Theater in Tyler, right next to the Rose Gardens, mm-hmm. uh, called me and said, hey, we're doing uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. And I, I want you to play the prosecuting attorney, Mr. Gilmer, which was, if you've never seen, if you've seen the movie to kill a mockingbird it is, it is so sanitized from the book mm-hmm. and especially sanitized from the play so much so that we had to put a disclaimer in the program and, and on all the advertising that it, that if strong racial offensive language was upsetting to you, please don't attempt. And that was rough to do because I was, I was actually friends with the guy playing Tom Robinson and, and, you know, you know, and stand up there and call him every name in the book and, and everything. One night he, his parents were sitting right behind him. And I just, it was a theater in the round, which means the, the audience surrounds the stage. Okay. Everything is, yeah, you have no place to hide in theater in the round. There's no, there's no where that you can turn your back to the audience. Was this at the, the and, college in Tyler? No, no, no. Okay. This is a, if you know where the, if you know where the Rose Gardens yeah. are in Tyler, the Braithwaite Theater is attached to okay. the Rose Gardens. Yeah. yeah, it's a big, huge, beautiful, multi-million dollar yeah. theater. It's, it's, okay. Well, and and, and um, it's just, yeah, but I did that and it just kind of got me back into it. And so I went from there, you know, and, 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 and <laughs> Jesse, you'll like this. All at the same time I'm doing that, I was doing research. <laughs> that sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was, that's, and that's, that's how we met. That's how we got to know each other was was doing research and doing. Ash, where were you? Where were you oh, I was just going to say Tyler seems to be very, a really good place if you want to get into stage acting to go. I have a friend that, that does plays here and there, you know, and, and I've seen a few of them, but that that's where we used, where my investigation team was. <clears throat> and we did a lot of stuff for the city. And that was one of the things was to, for the, the Liberty Theater, mm-hmm. like to raise money for that and, and mm-hmm. different restoration oh, yeah. program, programs down there and stuff. So, I mean, it's been a few years, but, you know, sometimes when I visit, I go and I like to go see her if I'm able to catch one of her shows. And I really like that. It's I, I'm, That's one thing that impresses me about Tyler. If you go to if you go to the Rose Gardens, which is absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. if you go at the, at the peak of the rose year, uh, season, 
the Rose Garden, there are thousands and thousands and thousands. I can't oh, yeah. tell you how many different varieties of roses there are in out there that you can, and they, and they have different cross breeds and different things. And, and all of them have their own names. In fact, they've even, yeah. uh, created their own, uh, you know, and there's, name them after people from the Tyler area of such, you know, former mayors and, and, you know, they've got one there that's named after Earl Campbell, you know, and things like that. So, but if you get a chance, go visit, but that's where a lot of my theater stuff was. Yeah. I think that was where that, that theater that you mentioned, I don't know, that was near the garden. We went, we went and seen, um, my friend, what was it? She did a a, a gender reverse version of the Odd Couple, mm. where it was oh, two yeah, women. Oh yeah, and, Instead of, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It was the the theater in the round like that too. It was it was that'd really be kind of neat to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I was I think it's really really neat that she's she started doing that. But that's ba- that's basically my journey so far <laughs> in the acting world. Now, uh, I know that your show focuses on bigfoot yeah i mean so, I'm, I'm actually i'm expanding i'm expanding i'm trying to do non-bigfoot non-paranormal people i had my i had my brother like two <laughs> episodes ago and he he does comics so i'm trying to i'm trying to expand so oh, okay. I, I figured i could get you you know acting and bigfoot at the same time and plus you're a, you know good yeah, friend of mine yeah. i hadn't talked to you in a while so um but i, I wanted to ask um do you recall how how we met you and i met the exact details? No, I honestly can't <laughs> tell you. If you can tell, dude, I've had so much stuff going yeah, on as yeah. you can tell. I can't, I can't, I can't remember what I had for breakfast most days. <laughs> it was, it was at a Bigfoot conference. It was uh, the TBRC, Texas Bigfoot. That conference. is, I can't. It was, it was. I think the first one at, at the high school. Yes, and so at, yes, and it was in Jefferson, and it was the the year that. Uh, they had Tom Steenberg. Yes, come down from Canada. Yep, and uh, and they had uh, uh, God. Who else was it that that there was a really good presentation? There were several. Meldrum, I think, it was the first time Meldrum was there. Yeah, Meldrum, Doctor um, Jeff. I think even I think Lauren Coleman was there too. I think. Yes. Yeah, Lauren Coleman was there as well because he had the. Uh, he had the giant <clears throat> life-sized uh, uh, printout of uh, Patty nice. stuck stuck up on the wall, so people could stand up next to to it and see how big she really is, and uh, things like that. Yeah, that was right. That was at Jefferson High School, and that was I think two thousand and six. Yeah, seven. Yeah, it was. It was two thousand six. Uh, yeah, two thousand six. Yeah, because like um, <laughs> I had a I had a booth then. I had a booth with Todd Partain. That's remember? right. You and Todd. Yes. Me, yeah. Todd and I were a thing back then. We were we were doing stuff together. We were. You I know. Were? I, I know. It sounds, that sounds kind of bad. How he said it. Aww, <laughs> okay. I yeah. No I, I was about to say I had no I had no idea. <laughs> 
But, is this uh, a new exclusive? Well, no. no. <laughs> Todd and Todd and I met in uh, Longview, Longview, right? Okay. It was Longview. Whenever I met Ash, so Luke and I were Luke. Uh, it was Luke? It was me, Luke, Billy, Billy Simmons, uh, Tim Clay, yeah. uh, Robert Nix. We were doing a presentation at Longview at. What was it at? Uh, was that Jason's Deli? Was that Jason's yeah. Deli? We were we were doing a presentation there about Bigfoot and about stuff like that. So it was a, a Ashes Paranormal Group was there. And you were the host. Yeah, yeah you you were the host, and and Todd Part Todd Partain was there too. Okay, and so, so y'all could have called me because I already knew you guys. Yeah. And psh, whatever. And, no, and I probably had work. So <laughs> so I met Todd there, and then we met in Hanoba at the first annual uh, Bigfoot uh, conference there. And we just yeah. became, we just became friends. Then I said, Hey, you were in Longview. And so we just became friends. And so we, we hooked up and uh, we got a table <laughs> there at that. Stop. You hooked up and we're a thing. <laughs> you know, you know, Todd, you know, Todd uh, actually went in the field with me a few times. Did he really? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He sure did. He, uh, um, uh, let's see. He came. He he drove all the way to South Louisiana, man, and and was and was with me and Bruce and Bob and Densford Scott right? and Lock. Yeah, Bob Densford, Bruce Densford, and uh, Scott uh, uh, Kessler. You remember Scott? Yeah. And yeah. and Lonnie and Lonnie. Uh, they were all. We were all down. So it's not. It, I can't. It's in Sherburn. It's what is. It's uh, and it's just nothing but swamps. For I mean, just right. for miles, miles. And they have these levees that you can drive through that that are just for miles. And there's nobody there. But every so often, off to the side, there's like this uh, flat area where you could actually, you know, set up a tent, set up, you know, camp and camp. So we were way, 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 way back down there, and Todd came, and uh, and actually brought his kids with him, and yeah, and uh, they're so cute. They were so cute, and it was yeah, and they and uh, I have some pictures from that trip actually, because it rained the entire time, <laughs> man, and and we had uh, we 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 actually took and somebody had one of these giant, I mean, giant blue tarps. And we just took a big rope and strung it between two trees and threw that tarp over it. And we attached it to somebody's, uh, camper mm-hmm. truck on one side. And we staked it out and we made this big giant tent tarp thing. And we just put all of our chairs, the grill, and everything that we had with us underneath there. And that's where we kind of hung out you know, during the day and we would go out and put our jackets and hats and stuff on and go out and put out recorders and cameras and stuff. And then, uh, at night we would just stick around camp, you know, and listen. And uh, since we, we didn't want to go and hang out in the rain. So we would just sit there and listen and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a fun weekend. Uh, you know, we, we kind of laugh about it now because we were pretty miserable, you know, but, Todd's a good dude, man. He's a good dude. Oh yeah, I haven't talked to Todd in in, in years either. I don't, you know, he just kind of, you know, uh, faded off the. He had um off the map. Yeah, he had um a deal going on. Um, and I, I won't go too much into it. It's some kind of medical deal he had where, 
he lost like most of his sight, so he he did just didn't want to go back in the woods and do any of that stuff. So, um, but yeah, he he's a good dude, and uh, I met up with him. Oh, he's and, a great guy. Yeah, he's he's he, I think for I think for a while his DVD was one of the most viewed um, DVD on Amazon. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eyes in, the, eyes in the dark. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a, good it, was a it was a, it was a good uh, little, you know, documentary style DVD that he had. That he, he told all these different stories and stuff, and including mine. Uh, and then, yeah. So whenever I met you there, you were still with the TBRC because I, I think, uh, I think you were still with them, right, at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was and, still with those guys. And um, so I, 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 I do recall that we were, we're set up, and you walked up to me, or I walked up to you. I can't, I, I don't recall. And I said, I go, "Hey, you're Mike Hall," and you said, "Hey, you're Robert Dominguez," and we started, we started yeah, talking. Yeah, that's we, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I had, I had already left the TBRC. I think at, at that time, and I think you, you had joined after I had left. So, yeah, and and and. I'm not, I won't go into all the detail of everything, but it wasn't long before I, before I left as well, really. And then you, uh, you end up, you end up forming your own group, right? Uh, Texla, right? Yeah. Well, well, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, okay. I just was kind of, I was just kind of out, you know, on my own. Uh, and I wasn't really, I mean, you know, doing anything. Uh, and Bruce Densford and Bob Densford, uh, had, I was going out with Bruce every now and then, uh, basically just on my own. And it just came up in discussion that Scott and Lonnie and Bob thought it would be a good idea just to do our own group and, 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 you know, and do things the way, do things the way that we thought they should be done and not have, Restrictions, you know, yeah, uh, you know, you got to do it this way, you got to do it that way, you right. got to, you know, I mean, anybody can sit down and read the scientific method and understand what you have to do to be discerning in, in what you're looking at and what you're doing, and I mean that applies to any field if you're in you know any kind of scientific field if you're trying to you know. Uh, study something you, you, you everything that you hear and see can't can't be that thing you have to be discerning and you have to look and you have to use reason and a lot of times uh, some of the stuff that we were being asked to do didn't make any sense and it didn't make it you know yep and especially you know it was just it was just stupid and so uh you know it was you it was like you were being boxed in or you know you, you're like prison acquired. That's the reason why I left too. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so we they formed a group, and then I came. I, I wasn't sure, you know, if I wanted to continue on. I was really just kind of uh, uh, disenchanted by it, yeah. the experience I I had gone through. And they convinced me, oh man, come on, we're not. It's not going to be like that. You know, we're going to do our own thing right. and. So we started, so I started, to, you know, join the group and, and for a lot of years, uh, you know, we, we, we were just hot and heavy, you know, yeah. uh, I was, those guys still are, uh, they, they go out as much as, as they can. You know, I'll say this, Mike, I know 
you and I, I know we haven't talked that much, but we've always been friends. And I know you always invited me out to the field with you all the time. And like, I could never line up my schedule to do it. And I think at the time I was, I was working for, a, a certain security company that would not give me any days off. <laughs> so, is it one that yeah. I can? Yeah, I can identify with. Yeah, yeah you, man, you, you I, can, I feel that. You can identify <laughs> with it too. But uh, I, I think prior to that, like as soon as I left the TBRC, I was the same way with you. I, I, I actually. Oh yeah. I hooked up with Ken Marvel, uh, Buddy Britt, uh, Tim Clay, and Mike Sells, and so all of us kind of just all hooked up, and we kind of did our own thing, and we did a bunch of stuff in Lamar County, and. You, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I think I gravitated toward you so much. And I've always, I always had, always held you in, in really high, high regard because you're such a good dude. Um, oh, thanks. Well, I appreciate that, man. I, I, I'm just a guy, man. No, you're, you're always, you always been a good dude to me, man. You always been really caring. You always invited me to do stuff. And you, if you had information you yeah. want to share with me, you always did it. And so I yeah. can't, I can't say enough good things about you. Well, I, I, you know, it was always the thing that I never understood in the research world, especially was, was that people were so tight lipped about Guarded, stuff that they yeah. had. Yeah. And Guarded. it's like, the part, why, 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 why do that? We're all in the same, you know, we all are trying to achieve the same thing here. If everybody started sharing this information, maybe we could get some answers a lot quicker. Oh yeah. And see, and there's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into any detail about, about any particular thing, but I, there was, you know, that, that, that mindset, uh, really with some people had, became kind of the determining factor that I was going to stop focusing on research altogether and present a hundred percent of my focus to my acting career. Uh, and just use, you know, and just do the Bigfoot thing on my own time when I have time and, and feel like doing it, you know, I can go do it. And I've got some good friends that I can still go do that with, you know, and just, and just have a, a you know, and make it an enjoyable weekend instead of, you know, this, this, uh, what I used to call trying to make an assault a military assault mm-hmm. on a, a tar on a target, which never worked anyway. Uh, you know, it was always, you know, <laughs> come on. I and mean, there's only so much camo that you can put on and so much body cut, <laughs> body scent, odor cover that you can spray. And that, that would just make it where you wouldn't see anything. It seems to me if you're just like, just yeah. behaving normally yeah, and in your in, in, in way you know <laughs> yeah and that has been and that has been the texla um the texla motto really is yeah. you know why you don't have to go out there and kill yourself to do all this crazy stuff you know you get there in plenty of time with prep and, and planning you know where you're going to put your recorders you know where you're yeah. going to put your cameras you go get those things done early and you go back to camp and you mm-hmm. sit there and you and you cook and you talk and you act like nothing's there. Your camp, right. you, you act like your campers and you act like nothing's there. And we've had more results, audio, especially audio-wise, doing that than anything that we ever did. You know, acting like it was some kind of a military operation. There's no hiding. You know, it, they know. 
Oh yeah, and I can give you a prime example, and this is this is, and, and you can go listen to the audio yourself. It's on the Texla uh, website. If you go to uh, www.txlaresearch.com, you can you can listen to the audio recordings. There was a particular recording event, and it's and, and here's what's significant because it happened. There's several things that happened in a two day period at a particular piece of property where we had had success in the past, uh, while we were camping there, Bruce and I, Bruce Densford and I decided that we were going to try a little experiment and we were going to go there and we were going to put out recorders and cameras, but we were not going to camp out. We were going to go back to my place, which was probably half an hour drive to 45 minute drive back to my place, stay the night, get up the next day and then go pick everything up and find out if, if there's nobody out there at all, what is, because every time we would go there and camp out, something would happen. We wanted to see if something would happen if there was nobody there. Well, the first thing that happened when we got there was that the trail to the campground, you had to go through two big electronic game fences and you had to know the code to get in. And I, because the landowner had given us permission to be there, I had codes. And so we went in the trail. Once you got past the second gate from the first gate to the second gate was nothing but woods. Then the second gate opened up and it was, this was a, the whole acreage of this place was probably 8,000 acres. Wow. And, and, and about a third, one third of that was not fenced because it's right on the Natchez river mm-hmm. and it was a ter- terrible, terrible flood, uh, plane and literally on the trunks of the trees, as you're driving from the second gate down to the river, you can see the black mark lines on the trees where in the past, the water level had gotten up to so high on the tree for so long. All the trees had these black mark lines. You could see where the water level. So we, we got into the trail and we knew no one had been down there because the grass was taller on the trail than the hood of the truck we were in. So we were going really slow. We got down to the camp area. And as we were getting our backpacks out to put the cameras and recorders in, I said, I'm going to go check down by the river just to see if there's anything, you know, and sure enough, there were tracks. They were about only about twelve inches long, but they were but there were five toed tracks, barefoot tracks, fresh in the mud on the bank of the river. And it was a trail of them. And if you and if you went backwards and followed the trail, they came out of the woods, down onto the riverbank. They there was a little washout area where you could tell where hogs had been and rooted around and, and rolled in the mud. It had played or moved around in that little area and then follow, kept following the bank north up the river. And if you, the further north you went, the steeper the incline of the bank got to the point where it was almost a 45 degree angle. And you could still, we couldn't walk it. 
we could we went up to the top of the ridge and could look down off over the river and the bank was nearly straight down and the tracks continued right along the edge of that north and we couldn't get down to cast those but the ones that were in the washout area and along the edge we did cast those in fact dr meldrum has both of those uh two of those casts and so while we were there actually mixing the hydrocal to pour in the cast this was in july I, i i do believe it was in july everything was just full green lush you couldn't see 10 feet in front of you when you got past the trail yeah. you know it was just so so thick the river at that point was only about 30 40 yards across but the the opposite bank was just a wall of vines and trees and shrub and you couldn't see anything past the the the, the furthest bank so we're sitting there stirring and directly across from us, three tree knocks. And this is in the middle of the day, three tree knocks. Warning probably, right? <laughs> right. And we stopped and looked at each other and he said, did you hear that? And I said, yeah, it, it sounded like a Louisville slugger just yeah. being mm-hmm. bashed against this tree. I mean, really, you know, so we said, okay, we're going to let this set up we're going to go down the trails here and we're going to put out our cameras and our recorders. And we did that. And we get to the last, we have one recorder left and, and we're headed back along a trail headed back to the truck. And Bruce says, okay, this one, uh, it was, we didn't have the fancy boxes that we have now. We had the little, uh, glad Tupperware box. And we just cut a hole in the end of it and we stuck the uh, digital recorder inside that. And he ran the cord, the mic cord out and he had a Y on it. So it had a right and left channel. He said, so I'm going to put this microphone on this limb and one on this limb. And he said, if anything comes past, we can tell what direction it was going. Smart. So, so then he said, there was a grouping of little trees and, and they made just this perfect little fork. Uh, it was like three trees. And he just stuffed the box right down in the middle of these three trees so it wouldn't fall out, you know, or anything like that. And we picked up our packs and we hiked back to the truck and we left. So the next day we go back. Uh, we actually we collected the, uh, the casts that we had, took a lot of pictures. Then we left and the next day we come back and we gather up all of our recordings and we and cameras and stuff and we leave Uh, that last recorder 20 minutes after we walked away and this is in in the middle of the daytime now something you can hear something walk up to the recorder grab the box pull it out from where it was wedged and it stands there and turn it's turning the box because you can hear the, the recorder inside the box tumbling, you know, like that. And then it just throws it down on the ground 
And when it did that, it unplugged one, just the one channel. So the other microphone kept recording and it walked away. Is this called the, the walk up recording? No, no, this is a different one. I'd have to, I'd have to look and find that one, Okay, but it was, but it, I mean, but you can hear, I mean, it was 20 minutes, literally 20 minutes after we walked away okay. and it walked right, right up to, and you couldn't, if you walked away, say six feet from where he had put the box, if somebody came walking down that trail, you wouldn't have seen it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have even known it was there. We were being observed the entire time we were there because it waited until it heard us because it took us about 20 minutes to get to the truck. When it heard us crank that truck and pull away, it walked over and pulled that box out and looked at and to see what it was we put there. Stalker, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so the whole idea of, you know, you got to wear camo and, and you gotta, you know, you gotta whisper and don't make any sounds and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just a bunch of bollocks, man. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> you know, they know you're there. They know you're there long before you know they're there. I feel like the more you make noise and make yourself knowing, known, known, yeah. kind of curiosity. Yeah would get the better yeah. of them or that's, you know, what I've always heard. And whenever we do, whenever I went out, you know, we did our little walk around the day before and then went back to the same place, the same night afterwards, you know, just kind of like sat yeah. down and listened. Yeah. Luke used to tell us all the time that when we're in a field and he would, he would be facing each other talking and he says, he'll, he'll go look over my shoulder, see where you see anything. So when we used to like, just, yeah. just pretend like you're talking and just look over my shoulder, I'll look over yours. And so we used to do that all the time like that. So that's crazy. Um, oh yeah. The, you know, and there's, and like I said, uh, uh, you know, I still go, I still get out and go. So anytime you want to go, I've got some places right really close to where I, to where I live that, uh, we, we have actually scouted out and had some, some, uh, interesting things. I might, I might uh, take you up on that, man. You know, and the cool thing of it is this particular place is there's a campground there and, and it's, it's really nice. Uh, you know, it's, and this, you know, in the early days we would go out and you can, you can attest to this, you know, it was the whole thing of we, our mentality was we like to get to these inaccessible places. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and when you do that, that means you better carry a shovel for your bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> and and, yep. and you better have and you better have a great big thing of handy wipes so that you can bathe, you know that kind of thing. And it was it was always just so uncomfortable, you know. And, and it, it could be you know ninety eight degrees or you know you know thirty two degrees. I've I've done it. In well, both, you know, I yeah, I've done it in both. Mm-hmm. I have to, so. <laughs> and and you know, I, I'm not that I'm not that I consider myself old, but I'm over fifty now, and I'm like, you know what? I really like my comfort. Yeah, and I, I I really. <laughs> so I, I've come to notice that Bruce and Bob and everybody, you know, now it's not sleeping in your sleeping bag in the on the tent floor. It's I got to have my cot. 
uh, or my air mattress. Yeah. <laughs> does, does, uh, is there any electricity where we're going to be? Is yeah. there any, uh, like yeah, is there a bathroom? Yeah. I like your yeah, style. So we now, I like your style. Yeah. So, now, <laughs> yeah, so now it's like, uh, yeah, if we're going to go do some Bigfoot and let's make sure there's a camp around nearby that's got bathrooms <laughs> and, sh- and showers, you know, yeah. and plenty of toilet paper. You know, it's just one of those things now. It's not a, it's just, yeah. So, I, but I still go, I, you know, and, and, uh, like I said, I, in fact, uh, this last, well, last fall, uh, Bruce Dinsford and his wife and, uh, myself and my wife, and we took my uh, grandson, my old, uh, my oldest grandson, who, who's uh, ten, and uh, <laughs> and another couple, and we just went down as campground, you know, and we paid to, to camp, and we had our campsite all right next to each other. But this particular, I'm not going to name names on the air, but. Uh, where this is, but it, there's a lot of trails and it's on a big lake and it's really close to an area that's had a lot of sightings and a lot of reports over the years. So we just kind of figured, Hey, you know, uh, we can camp out and we'll go out and hit some of these trails that go way back off in there and put out some recorders and see, you know, cause you're thinking this particular campground, they have like these big trash, uh, uh, the big trash dumpsters, mm-hmm. you know, the and, eight, uh, and eight yards, the eight yard dumpster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they've got the, and then they've got individual trash, you know, pick up things around. And I'm thinking, no, you know, we, and the raccoons are everywhere. Yeah. So, and they're, they're, you know, they're grubbing for food. So, you know, you know, it just made sense. Uh, and you've got a river that's not too far by, you know, too far away that, is a, a known corridor. There's for years and years and years and years and years, there's been nothing but reports up and down that area. And it's just a few miles away. So, you know, <laughs> it just makes sense. Well, I, uh, I might, I might, I might take you up on that, man. Actually, I can tell you there's two, two campgrounds that are almost identical in that respect that they sit really close to areas that one one is I won't say exactly where one of them is on the Natchez River, and I mean it's and it and it and that's and it's really fun to be able to sit and say, well, you know, I'm gonna go take a shower, as compared to yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go wipe off. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I can appreciate. So yeah, that. It, it, yeah, and and, uh, and 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 we're still and we still get results. I mean, we found a track. I'm uh, at one of the one of the camps that I'm talking about. We actually found a track. When we weren't even looking, we were actually going to go put out uh, recorders. And it was an area where uh, off the trail, uh, you could see where the ground had been just rutted up by the, the wild hogs. And we stepped over we stepped over this big log, and I looked down, and I said, Hey, guys, <laughs> you want to take a look at this? And Bruce came over, and I said, What does that look like to you? Because that looks like a footprint, a big one. <laughs> and it was in the mud and it looked like it had done the same thing I was just about to do, which is it had put its foot on one side of the log and stepped over the log. But when it did, it slid, its foot slid a little bit 
<clears throat> but it, you could plainly count the five toes and everything else. Man. And and the thing that people, the thing that people, I've never understood, is that they try to discount all the different track casts and everything else, but they don't know the circumstances in which those casts were found or those tracks were found. And when you add the circumstances to that, then you have to ask yourself, like the tracks that we found on the riverbank in July. Okay, this is in an area that is locked off from any human traffic unless you are the landowner or someone that works for him. But yet, it's in the middle of summer and you're barefoot running through the woods and down to the river. Well, I mean, just the snake population. I wore, you know, I always wore uh, knee-high snake boots when I was out there, no matter what time of year it was. Um, the thorns on some of the vines were as big as 16-penny nails. I mean, if you stepped on one of those, you're going to the hospital. You're not you're just going to pull it out and put your sock back on. You're, you're going to you know, you're gonna you're gonna wind up in the ER. For you to be running around barefoot out there doesn't make a lot of sense. And the same thing with the track that we just found. You know, it was in the fall, it was pretty chilly at night. Yeah. And and everything else. Why would you be running around in this wet, muddy area in the middle of the night barefooted? I mean, you're not even not even anywhere near the trail, you know? So you have to look at the circumstances too. So I found that was, that was always a big gripe of mine. Yeah, absolutely. When they try to dismiss, you know, footprint cast and all that stuff. Yeah. Footprint, yeah. When I just try to dismiss that, I mean, you know, I, uh, Daniel Perez, I think said it best. I mean, if you were to try this in the court of law instead of the court of public opinion, there's enough evidence now. We would have secured a, a conviction years ago, with the yeah, you know, with the hair and the the track casts and the photographic evidence, and I mean, what you can consider legitimate photographic evidence. But uh, you know, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference was, I think, the last. Was that the one that uh, uh, that Don Keating did, or Mark Mark DeWorth? Mark DeWorth. Mark DeWerth, okay. Yeah, this was, yeah, the, okay, so, so, but I'll go back to the movie side of things. Uh, we had, we had finished filming something in the woods. We had not finished editing <laughs> something in the woods. We were in the, in the post-production and got the call that they were, they were, had heard about it on Facebook and this, that, and the other, and they wanted us to premiere it at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, wow, which is like the, one of the one of the biggest and old, it's like yeah. thirty, yeah, thirty some odd, thirty seven years or something at that point. Yeah, and and uh, so uh, there were literally thousands of people there. It was crazy. It was insane. But we drove all the way up to Ohio. That's crazy, with, man. With now, and here's the funniest thing is that the the guy that our editor was in the back seat on his MacBook with the external hard drive editing <laughs> while we were while we were driving up there. Nice. Wait, he had some time to do it. 
Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it was basically, he was just trying to put on, like, you know, just final credits and different little little things like that. We still had to go back and do, like, uh, uh, you know, color corrections, and we had to do some sound editing and things like that. So we kept telling everybody, this isn't finished. It's just as finished as we have it right now. And, uh, you know, what was really cool was you we met all these great, I got to meet Bob Gimlin. Oh man! Nice. You know, I got yeah. I got to have I got to sit at the table and have breakfast with Bob Gimlin, and have him tell me the whole story from his own mouth. Him and him and Roger Patterson and the Patterson Gimlin film, the whole the whole incident, how it came to be, and how it, and it's just so much more to the story than you than most people have ever really heard. That that. If you sat and just listened to him tell the story, it the things that he says tells you that what happened was real. I had his number for a while. I just never called him. Well, you know, and Bob, and Bob is just, he's such a fascinating character, too, to hang yeah. out with. He actually did a promo for Something in the Woods for us. Did he really? Oh my God. Yeah, he did a he did he did a video promo because he he, he came down and I, he got a uh, uh, he came and watched the movie and then uh, he he stopped by our table the next day because we had a bunch of posters and T-shirts and stuff that people were buying and and we were sitting there signing you know posters like crazy and uh, what happened? Uh, okay, if you've been to these big fancy hotels and they have these meeting rooms. They normally have them where they can be divided off into separate, you know, like you can have an A room, B room, and a C room, right, or you can right. take the wall, take the divider walls down and have one giant room. Well, <clears throat> well, that's what they had. And, and Mark DeWorth kept telling me, he said, look, man, I don't know what's going to happen here. He said, but you see that plaque on the wall there, this room capacity is only at like 400 and whatever, however many seats. And he said, that's exactly how many chairs we have in here. So it's like, okay, so that's all, you know, he said, so we might have you show it a second time. I'm like, fine. You, you schedule the time this weekend and we'll show it a second time. And that's fine. And <laughs> they pulled open the door. We, we were upstairs in the hotel trying to figure out, you know, how is anybody going to actually, you know, whatever. And we walked downstairs and they were already lined up. And, it, and in that hotel, it's three stories tall in the middle. It's like a split level. If you look at it from outside, it looks like it's two stories. It's, a, it's split level. It's in the main part of the building, it's three stories. And, it's, and, they, and, they, and they went down the stairs, around, and then down the stairs, the line to get in. They had people, all the chairs were full, and there were people laying and sitting Indian style in the aisle <laughs> and in the front. That's awesome. And people, people standing along the back wall. It was, and they opened up the double doors, all three sets of double doors, and there were people had gone and grabbed chairs from other places and pulled them to the door. They were sitting outside the doors and looking through the door and, and watching. And the coolest thing was that we had actually, that first year, it was David Ford, myself, uh, Travis Driver, and 
several other people from the movie. <laughs> they took the suit, the actual suit from the movie. Yeah. And David Ford's a pretty big guy, but he's not nearly seven foot tall, but he put the suit on and before the lights came up at the end of the movie and people were clapping, he came out from one side of the room in the suit and ran across in front of the screen <laughs> and went out and, and went out another and, and went out another door. That's awesome. I wish I man, I wish I was there to watch that. Man. Man, and, and, and you know, and it was so and then, and then as soon as it was over with, Mark was saying, Man, we gotta show it again because there was probably three hundred people that didn't couldn't get in to see it. So the next night we showed it again, uh, right after this, the next night they had scheduled uh Small Town Monsters. Uh they had those guys, that was their first uh they had done the uh their first documentary uh, and they were showing it and it was only like an hour long. So they showed that and then they showed our movie again, which was crazy because half the audience that was in there for the second night were, were people from the first night. Yeah. Again, they want to watch it again. Yeah. 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 And we just kept getting these stories that, man, that was the, about the third best Bigfoot and, and my list of top five, that's probably number three or number two. And it was always coincided with a movie that we hoped and dreamed it would, it would go with. And yeah. that was legend about legend about you. Just so you know, we, we actually have a podcast. Uh, I forgot what number it was, but it's it's uh, movie night, mm-hmm. and that's one of the movies that we actually uh, re. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, it was that one and uh, Letters from the Big Man. Yeah. So yeah, so. Well, we had uh, that's, yeah. Thank you. That's, you know, and the and the other cool honor uh, other than the Bigfoot Conference in Ohio, the other honor that we got uh, was we got a call from the Falk. Uh, from South Arkansas uh, for the uh, Boggy Creek uh, Festival. Wow. And they were at about, uh, right across the street from South High School there in, mm-hmm. and, and out in South Arkansas where all that stuff happened. Uh, they were, they asked us to come and show the movie as a double feature Right behind Legend of Body Creek. That that is a huge honor. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and you know, and and you know, Smoky Crabtree. This is just shortly before he passed away. He oh, came man. and was yeah. there and, and stuff like that. So it was really cool to get to to be there. And Seth and those guys from Small Town uh, Monsters uh, happened to be there that weekend. They were filming their Body Creek. Uh, episode uh, uh, documentary hmm. that Lyle the other day. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with Lyle, with yeah, with Lyle Blackburn. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Lyle yeah. and Sa- Lyle, yeah, Lyle and Sandy, his wife were there, and so we got to hang out with those guys and 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 what you know they, you know Lyle is kind of like you, man. He he really he really got into something in the woods and really dug it, and so when we actually went up to. Uh, uh, Hanobia, uh, Hanoba, Hanobi, 
Anobi, I better say it right. Yeah. I don't want to get mad at uh, Hanobi, Oklahoma, for the uh, Bigfoot conference there to show something in the woods. You know, he was always asking. You know, he he would always when we did the Q and A, Lyle would always ask me uh, about certain lines in the movie, especially the ones about. You know, I, I did I did steal a line from some from uh, Boggy Creek. You know, what could pick up two hundred pound hogs and walk yeah, away? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. that. And, you know, I was like, yeah. well, that adds its authenticity yeah. because how many stories have we heard yeah. from this, yeah. you know, that area and this area? Well, I, it was just, it was just kind of my homage, yeah. my personal homage to, uh, because that, yeah, because that movie, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because it is a movie that got me started in research. Same here. In the, in the first place. And yet, I also have done a movie about the subject matter and I'm continuing to do film because it all kind of, you see what I'm saying? It all kind of went full circle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of things I have to be thankful and grateful for in my career. Although I'm not ever, I don't think I'll ever be at the level, you know, I'll never be a, a Tom Cruise or something like that, but, you know, I, I never have expected myself to be. I've always thought of myself as a, as a character actor anyway, not a leading man or a, anything like that. But, <clears throat> you know, playing the bad guy or playing a cop or playing something like that, you know, I, you know, I eat up, you know. And uh, But, but to, to tell the truth, you know, like I said, everything came full circle because as a kid I watched Legend of Boggy Creek with that movie uh, set me on that path of, uh, research and wanting to know more about that subject matter. And then who, you know, who could ever have known that years later I would get the opportunity to make my own mark in the film, uh, industry end of it, as far as Bigfoot is concerned. I got to do something in the woods. I was going to ask you because, like, that may trigger like someone into Bigfoot research as they watch that movie. Sure, absolutely, and that that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, that's kind of a you know. I remember being ten years old and and I had a sleepover with some buddies and we watched that movie. We begged to stay up and watch that movie, and it just scared the living crap out. Of it. Uh, you know. We, my grandparents, actually, how we got woke up the next morning was their roaring laughter at, at five little boys, all huddled together under one blanket, uh, with a chair propped under the door, and all the window shades pulled down, yeah. and every light, in the, and every light in the room turned off. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know we watched off. Yeah, we watched the whole thing, and by the end of it, we were all the lights were on, the windows were pulled down, the, yeah. the chair was under the door. We were, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but from that point, I was hooked, and, and you know, it's just been kind of a an amazing, amazing ride with a lot of amazing friends, and including yeah. yourself that I, I've made along the way, and it, it's all been thanks to Legend of Boggy Creek and and. Uh, a big old biggie himself, I guess, you know, I mean, uh, I've made friends in this research uh, in doing this, that are friends for a lifetime, you know, I mean, that's, you know, everybody thinks your high school years, that those friends are going to be with you forever. And they're not, uh, unfortunately, sometimes they are, but not all of them. And, 
And, but it seems like the friends I made in this portion of my life are the ones that have stuck, stuck with me. Absolutely. So, so that just kind of tells you the kind of people that, <clears throat> that you deal with, you know, but, but some, I was going to ask you, cause we're, we're coming on the, sure. cl- the close of the show. Um, what projects are you working on now? Man, I am in the midst of probably the, I, you know, this is, I keep saying this and I keep praying and hoping this is the truth. The film project I'm working on right now has nothing to do with Bigfoot. It's called the blues man. And, uh, the blues man is a retelling, uh, with a twist on, uh, the legend of Robert Johnson's meeting the devil at the crossroads, selling his soul to play the guitar. Uh, I like it. Our story, our story is a little bit different, you know, because everybody has just assumed all these years that Robert Johnson was cursed, you know, and if you go to the rock and roll hall of fame in, in Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, it, one of the first displays that you see is to Robert Johnson and they call him the grandfather of rock and roll. Uh, he's had, he only recorded 29 songs but they have been re-recorded hundreds and hundreds of times by everybody you can think of from Eric Clapton to Led Zeppelin to, I mean, just you name it, everybody. Uh, so he, he's become this icon and that story has become such a part of his story. So, but it's always been assumed that he was cursed. And I said, you know what, what if he wasn't cursed? What if it was the guitar? Right. That's a good, that's yeah. a good turn. I like that. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. When Robert died at the age of 27, mm-hmm. tragically, he was buried with his guitar. But now, the devil wants it back. He can't go into a graveyard because that's sacred ground, that's holy ground, so he has to make another deal with these two lowlifes to go get the guitar for him. And he doesn't figure they're smart enough to figure out who Robert Johnson is, but they do. And they decide, you know what? I think we'll just hang on to this guitar and make a little bit more money for ourselves. Well, of course, you know how that works out when the devil comes down to hell to pay. Collect what <laughs> collect what his, you know, and then basically all hell ensues. Um uh, that's kind of the, the premise of it. There's a lot more to the story than that. Uh What's really cool about it is we've already recorded several songs uh, in the studio for the for the soundtrack. Uh, Katie Lynn, I don't know if anybody knows who Katie Lynn is, but she was a finalist on America's Got Talent in 2016 from uh, Kemp, Texas, which is right next to my hometown, and we've gotten to be friends. I've been knowing her since she was 10 or 12 years old, you know, singing local, local stuff. Now she's... Uh, almost fully grown and, and she's traveling back and forth to Nashville and, and doing recordings and got albums that she's fixing to do and all this other stuff. So she's written a song for the film and she's going to be making her film debut in the movie. Uh, we have secured actor John Dugan and his uh, claim to fame is that he played grandpa Sawyer in the original Texas chainsaw massacre. Uh, so he's, he's already secured for the part and we're working on getting a, a, a another name actor. Uh, I'm not going to say that yet because we, we just started negotiations with them, but, uh, this film that I'm working on could be the one that, that really boosts my career 
I hope, uh, because I'm playing one of the main bad guys. And uh, uh, we're going to be filming it here, uh, right here where I live. I live in Ennis, Texas. We're going to film it right here. Uh, all the locations we need, uh, we've secured a lot of stuff for this film already. And, uh, you know, it's listed with, and you can actually, if people want to go and check it out, they can go to the website. Uh, it's called, uh, it's www.thebluesmanmovie.com. Or they can find us on Facebook. On Facebook, yeah. I was going to say, um, after the show, um, whenever I post the show, I'll put all, all your all your links on there that you want. That way people can yeah. find it. So, yeah. So. yeah, yeah, just a... Yeah, so that's the movie that we're working on right now. Uh, we're in pre pre production, I, I, I guess I could say. Actually, uh, we're in the middle of location scouting, and we start our casting process for the other parts uh, this next week. Okay. So, so yeah, we're hopeful that we can be in production, actually shooting this film by late October, and have it wrapped before Thanksgiving and uh, be in post-production through the holidays and have it released sometime next summer. Nice. Hopefully. 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 That's all. That's all if everything goes uh, the way we hope it does. But mm-hmm. in, this, in, in this industry and in, this, in, the, in the times that we're facing right now, everything is still always up in the air. Uh, up in the air. Up yeah. In the air. yeah. yeah. Uh, right now, and the cool thing, and I know people are going to think this is weird, but, you know, this whole COVID, uh, you know, the, the quarantine and all that stuff, it actually worked in our favor because it forced us to sit down and do the rewrites and do all the, the paperwork part of pre-production right. that, norm- that normally gets left until the last minute. And we were able to get all of that done during that t- downtime that everybody was facing and uh, really jumped ahead. And with the state of things going on with what, you know, entertainment business in Hollywood, you know, everything is shut down. Nobody's filming anything. And so there's going to be a big void to fill next year. Uh, and if we can, and, and the sooner we can get this shot and edited, uh, we'll be one of the few films that can, that can fill that void. Uh, and that, that only bodes well for us and for, you know, for our careers. So, uh, Every dark cloud has a silver lining, I say. So, right. uh, I mean, at least that's the way I'm, I'm choosing to look at this. Yeah. Because uh, if you choose to look at it in, in, in the way that most of the other people in the world are looking at it right now, um, I'd go crazy and be so despondent that I, I couldn't get out of bed. So, but, but so, it, you know, just trying to keep a positive spin on everything. We've had so many great things happen for this production. It's, it's a very exciting time. But like I said, when you first called, man, it, I'm <laughs> going in 20 different directions. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I don't I have actually had this conversation with my wife. Uh, several times in the past month. What day of the week is this? Yeah, because like you told me early in the week to hey, uh, you got to remind me whenever the show is. <laughs> yeah, because I, 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 and I, and I was late coming in because I completely it just it was just I spent the day talking to our special effects guy and our and our, our cinematographer and stuff and trying to. It's just been you know it's just a it, it, it's it's really crazy how uh, how the industry works and and how you 
the things you have to the, the hoops you have to jump through to get things accomplished and it gets to, it gets to be a little bit of a circus and so uh you know what to take a break and talk about something else and talk about and and, and reconnect with an old friend is kind of a breath of fresh air really yeah absolutely and, Damn, so I, was, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I was, I was going to say that when when you're ready to, you know, talk more about the movie and you know whenever you get everything done, you're more than welcome to come back and and pitch it, man. I, I would love to have you back on. Oh yeah, great. I would just be more than happy to come on and talk about it. Uh, you know, if there's anything that, uh, you know, I, I was just going to say, you know, I need you if. if if nothing else, man, uh, if we get to the shooting schedule, uh, I, I want to invite you to come down and hang out on the set one day. It, you know, and I would kinda, love it. Yeah. I would, I would love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> well, I, I hope that it, I hope that it happens so that you get to do that. Yes. <laughs> we put that way. Absolutely. I would, I would love it. I would, man, I, it's, it's a dream of mine. I and mean, we'll, We'll talk off show about it. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, but, uh, I got your you're number. Both a, you're, yeah, I you're both you. invited. I, I want to make sure you say that. Oh, yeah, Ash. Yeah, yeah, y'all are both invited. Man, no, yeah, like I'm a really big Robert Johnson fan. You know, just like because I love music and anything, and I just I'm a, I'm a nerd for music history, and I watch documentaries about him. And you know, legend aside, just like the way that he he played guitar, it's it's just it's oh, yeah. fascinating. Well, it's just like the way his hands I, I will, moved and you know i will suggest something that now we we've got like uh, on the website there are some videos and you should watch there's a guy on there named aaron burton okay and he is actually the video that's on the website of him singing one of the songs that's actually one of the songs that we're going to use in the soundtrack uh, it, it's going to be re-recorded but it is that you know but just to hear him play the way he plays is very reminiscent of Robert Johnson. So, uh, yeah, we've got some really cool stuff. Like I said, just go check out the website and, and check out the videos and all the information on there. And there's a lot of links. Uh, we have memorabilia on there, not memorabilia, but we have what they call swag. We have t-shirts and tank tops and coffee cups and with all the, the movie logo and stuff on it. Okay. Just a lot of fun information on oh, the website. I love merch. That's what I've been doing well, lately with like, you know, I have a lot of friends that are musicians or content creators and it's like, Oh, I'm buying t-shirts and records and you know, cause it's, well, you know, it's, it's really lean right now. You can't really, I keep, I keep telling people buy a t-shirt and yeah. send us a picture. We'll, we'll put it on the Facebook page. You know mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, it's walking around advertising. Any, so at this point, we're like I said, uh, they're they're talking to another to a name actor, and I will say, when I say a name actor, it is a name that everybody will know. Well, good deal. Uh, yeah, and that, and that, and you know, our fingers are crossed. There's no uh, when you start dealing with actors at that level, uh, there's no guarantee that they'll even see the script. We have to go right. through channels and everything else. So. You know, uh, they have people that read scripts for them and suggest, hey, you might want to look at this, yep. you know, that kind of thing. So we've got to go through their management and through their, through their process uh, before we can even get a, uh, oh, I'm interested. You know, then the process really begins of 
you know, how many days are we talking about? How much, you know, how much of this is, you know, is it going to be, you know, how much money are we talking? So, uh, you know, there's still a process to go through and uh, we may not get another name actor before we get to the point of filming. But you hear those stories all the time. I mean, Carl Weathers didn't walk into audition for Apollo Creed uh, until the weekend before they were supposed to start filming, I think. And, and he was the last guy to come in the room. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah. He, and the great insult was that he was reading with Stallone and uh, then looked at uh, Joe Alberson, the director, and said, you know, I could get, I could do this a lot better if I had somebody better to read with. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's probably why they cast him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was one of those things. So it was, uh, yeah, so you never know. And uh, we've got our fingers crossed that we can, we can land this guy and have him come in and do some work and, and really help the, help the project uh, get some recognition once we're done. And, uh, yeah, so I, it, it, I, it's one of those things where I feel like I'm on the cusp of something great, but I'm so scared to death. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And, uh yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those seminal moments, I think, in a person's life. Uh, and I'm in the midst of it. I'm excited and for you're you, man. It, and, and, you're, and you're capturing it all on, on your yeah. podcast. I'm real excited for you, man. I, I, I feel this is it. And so I want to help you. And so doing this podcast, doing this podcast helps you. I'm, I'm real excited. I, so. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. And uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed talking about stuff. And, uh, you know, I haven't talked about research in a long time. So, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, it's still part of my life. It, it, it's not all consuming like it used to be uh, because I've, I've just reprioritized things. And uh, one of, uh, I've got an opportunity. I, I just felt like the, the time was right for me to step away from, from all of that and, and go in this direction and put all my focus and energy into doing what I needed to do to make this, this career work. That was always ever, always, always going to be just a hobby. Uh, this, 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 this is something that could, uh, you know, help my family, uh, in, in, in a more immediate way. Absolutely, man. So, so I had to change my priority and look at what I was, you know, working nine to five and doing what I having fun doing that stuff. But was I really happy and uh, when I quit doing all the nine to five stuff and started focusing completely on this and that, and I can't say that that's easy for anybody to do because you got to have a, a great support family uh, behind you. And if I didn't have my wife, uh, Dulcie, behind me and supporting my uh, decision to do this full time and pursue it full time, uh, it would be impossible. Uh, so. I'm, I'm fortunate. Like I said, I've got a lot of things to be thankful and fortunate about. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed in a lot of ways and I'm, uh, and I'm blessed to have uh, good friends like you. So, well, Mike, thanks again. No problem, man. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for coming on. Um, you, like I said before, you're more than welcome to come back and, and pitch and pitch the movie. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it has been a pleasure. I love it. Love, and love talking with you too, Ash. Looking forward to everything else, you know. I, I, we were just talking, yeah. I was just talking earlier. It's like I, I, I'm ready to go out, and I don't care if it's just to go sit in the woods and not do anything, yeah. just to do it, you know, just get out. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that feel the same way right now. Just get out and do something. <laughs> Alrighty, Mike. All right, buddy. Hey everybody, Robert Jesse Dominguez. Uh, we're at the section where we talk wrestling with Earl the Pearl. Earl, how are you? I am doing great. How are you? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm excited uh, to talk wrestling with you again. Um, yes. This is uh, this going to be uh, this is, it's actually a pretty good week. Um, we're going to mm. actually review July 24th uh, SmackDown because we didn't do it last week. So let's let's jump on okay. this one. Um, I'm ready. What uh, I normally make you go first, but I'm going to go first this time. I'm ready. I'll, let's do it. You're the uh, <laughs> what I was really excited <laughs> about was Grand Metalik oh. actually getting pushed for the for, oh. the for the Intercontinental title. I was pretty happy about mm-hmm. that. I don't know about you because I, I've always loved him wherever he would wrestle, like in Mexico. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, I go, oh, my God, they're actually going to push him. So I was pretty happy. I don't know about you. No, I was I was happy about that. Um, when I was watching it, I was like, I was kind of like NXT last week. I was like, okay, then it's not going to be anyone from Lucha. So I was watching it, and then it caught me off guard. And that's what I like is whenever. But here's the thing: WWE has a bad thing of, yes, you're doing this often, but then they they don't let that person win. So it catches me off guard. When you get caught off guard, yeah. you're like, oh. So, yeah, I was really excited whenever he won. I was like, oh, my God, he actually won this thing. Yeah. So I thought it was really cool. And uh, I like that they didn't, like, immediately get beat up afterwards. <laughs> like, they actually looked strong because they took both of them, Green Metalik and Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay Dorado, actually, like, they they, they they almost they did get attacked, but they didn't get squashed. They actually, like, fought back, and they actually had the upper hand. So I was yeah. like, oh, I like what they're doing. This is nice. Yeah, I was actually I like that. I loved. I don't know about you, but I loved the Jeff Hardy, uh, Sheamus mm. fight in the was, in the bar. I was, I, you know, I kind of thought I wasn't gonna like it, but actually I did like it. So I don't know about you. So my question is: Is this him bringing Willow to the WWE? Because uh, he had the black and white face paint. Remember yeah. when he? Remember when he was in TNA he was, and he had to, he did the whole um, "I'm sorry" tour because of the debacle of Sting versus him strung out. Yeah, and yeah. Sting, Sting no sold and just like put all the body weight on and didn't, didn't let him kick. When I watched that match way back in the day, yeah. I felt Jeff Hardy because when I really got into wrestling way back in the day, I was like trying to do wrestling with my cousin and I was like, all right. Hold on my shoulders, I'm gonna kick out. And then my cousin Brad would put all his weight on. I'm like, no, this isn't so. You just let me kick off. So <laughs> I felt Jeff Hardy whenever Steve did that. I yeah. yeah, I felt that. But no, he did that, and he he came back with the white and black face paint. And he had the white contact lenses, yeah. and I was like, it was funny because I I forgot I was watching with my kids, and I was like, oh, stop, my daughter's like, yeah, daddy, that's real. I'm like, you don't know, Willow, be quiet. <laughs> and then he came back, so. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I mean, if it is, that's cool because I like the Willow character. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I think I think the Willow thing. I think it's like the paint, the face paint's a little bit different. But I think this uh-huh. this would to me it looked like brother brother Nero. That's what okay. that's what it looked like to me. But I mean, he's not. I don't think he's giving this a name or this persona a name. He's just doing it. Okay. 
but I don't hey, know. It could be a mixture. Yeah, it could I, be a, it's a hybrid. It could be a, a mellow. Yeah. I don't know. Or I, a weiro. <laughs> what what are you doing? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'm confused. I don't know. I'm confused. But, no, I, <laughs> but I like it though. I did because he did that and then he ended up winning it. And yeah. I thought it was really good. I I, I like that they didn't just let Seamus squash him. Yeah. I think I think it's good. They're 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 taking turns winning. Um you know, Seamus Seamus won at, at, at the pay per view and he won this one, yeah. so I think I think that was Seamus is bad. Yeah, was like this is my thing. Yeah, yeah. I I really I really I'm really digging this vibe with with both of them. I, at first at first I know we we talked about it before we didn't because mm-hmm. we did, we thought it was kind of and you both both and I yeah. both of us agreed that we didn't like the way the angle they were doing with uh, no. the alcohol and all that stuff. I said, mm-hmm. come on, man. But but mm-hmm. I I kind of like this where where they're going and it's, it's getting better. So it's I'm I think mm-hmm. um, moving in the right direction. Yeah. So. Let's go ahead. And, let's go ahead and jump on Raw real quick. Um, mm-hmm. What what stood out for me on this one? So there was all those reports of how they were going to write Kyrie Sane out. Yeah. And one because there was reports that you know everything was going to go this way, and then they scrapped it. And then they were going to have her injured by Nia Jax, and that was scrapped. And I was very happy about that because she probably would have hurt her. For real. She probably would have hurt her. For real. Oh my lord. So I was very happy with the way they did it. Um, that it, it fed into it actually fed into a storyline. Like they were going to have her hurt, and then Oscar was going to go back, and it was the same way it played out. But it, but like you said last week, you know Sasha was going to win the title. Yeah. So I like how I like how they wrote that. They, they scrapped like four plans and went with this one, and it was really good. I liked it. I thought I thought that, again. It's, it's cruddy what they're doing, where they're destroying the women's division for yeah. two girls because it's like no one else is getting a push. Like, like at this point, anyone, if you talk about it, then it's like, well, you know, I'm like, no, I'm gonna shut you down because even Charlotte didn't get to destroy, not destroy. That's a harsh time, but Charlotte didn't even get pushed like this. I'm like, it yeah. is about that point. Like, it's like, what are you gonna do at this point? Because if you do go with the Sasha Bailey thing, I mean, what is it going to be? It's going to be one person holding all the belts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't know what, I don't know where you go. Because I listen to, um, uh, what is that? I listen to Wrestle Talk. I don't know if you ever listen to them. They're um, from England. No, I haven't. Ollie, Ollie and Luke. They have a YouTube channel. They have a podcast, and they and and um, they're really good. I like listening to them. They're they're they're. They're pretty informative. They're pretty knowledgeable. I mean, they're really good. They're still fans, but they're, they yeah. they make really great points. But they said a long time ago, why do you, when Bailey first turned heel, what's the purpose of making a face to heel? You're going to happen to, when they go back to a face, it has a bigger impact. But she's been a heel for so long that, I mean, even if you make her a face again, I mean, you can do the whole... I did just because you were my best friend. I was never, you know, in my book, yeah. in my deck, I was never your friend. I just used you to get where I was supposed to be, where I'm, no, like she could go back to being entitled. And then you could have the main roster, Bailey, Sasha yeah. match, like she had, that was wonderful. But I mean, I don't, I don't know at this point, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to do that? Or are you just going to have them randomly lose them to, 
Because that's the thing I hate the most is like WWE did back in the mid 2000s where they were just playing hot potato with the belt. Mm-hmm. So I like that they let them keep it this long. But then I mean, if you're going to go a different direction, you can't just let them keep it because at that point you destroyed the entire women's division because now no one else gets to hold the gold. Yeah, but so I don't I, know what you do with it. I think right now they're they're it's a runaway train. They don't know what to do because like they're so hot right now. Both of them, both mm-hmm. of them are are uh, they're so over both of them right now. Is that like mm-hmm. they they're they're going well as a heel, and then what do you do with like Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler? I mean, they're they're both heels too, so they're making them fight each other right now. And it's like to me, I said, do we not have enough women on on the roster to do stuff? I mean, because well, Nia Jackson's injured eighty percent of them. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> but here's the thing, though. Like, I like here's the thing. I I love Nia Jackson. I've, I've always liked Nia. Jax. Yeah. I don't like the way she wrestles. But man, if you're going to injure someone, like either of them could legitimately injure someone. Like, like I love Shannon Baszler's arm stomp. Yeah, you have to do that just right because if you were to mess up that move, you could really mess someone's sh- yeah. shoulder, elbow, everything up. So I mean, but Shannon can take a good bump. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. she was a, a cage fighter. You know, she used to getting punched. She's used to getting slammed on the ground. You know what I'm saying? Like hard. So this is a really good one. You know what I'm saying? Because if you injure her, and like it was kind of like, what was it? When Brock Lesnar and um, Braun Strowman had had their little their little program that they had, and Braun Strowman punched Brock for real. Yeah. For a minute, he, yeah, for a minute he forgot where he was. And he went to actually punch Braun, and then he had to forget. He, he had to remember where he was. Yeah. It was really awkward. But that, I bet if Nia were to do something and hurt her, because she almost hurt her on Monday Night Raw when she did the little throw into the plexiglass thing. Like, she, like, Shayna Baszler was over by the steps, and, like, she fell really weird. And I was like, oh, my God, you just started this little program, and you already almost injured Shayna Baszler. So um, I think it's going to be good. I think both go strong, you know, strong file and just hurt each other. What what I really like about this right now, we're talking about raw, and we haven't talked about any man. We're just talking about women right now. I think I think that's kind yeah. of cool. So that is, you know, it's, that's the problem though. Is they don't they don't really focus on the women's division. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's 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 a Bailey Bank show, but there's other women on the roster, and that's what aren't yeah showcasing, and that's and that's what I I think is. You know, they give Zena Vega a hundred percent room, like the Zena Vega show yeah. for the longest time. But like I said, she's not really a wrestler right now. So. Let's uh, let's go over to Impact. Um, okay, I know you said you watched that one, right? What was, what was your takes? Mm-hmm. What was your takes on that one? Oh, man, <laughs> so um, I like. We always talked about it. I like the Moose EC three thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's really. I even text you about it. Yeah. I like that. Keith Slater, Miller, whatever, yeah, may uh, pull the wool over Moose's eyes, and he's like, "I got this contract from the TNA <laughs> Championship Committee." There's no such thing as oh, so that's not really real. And he had to, he had to eat crow, <laughs> and then the face guy, what is his name? Um, the guy that has uh, the face authority, uh, divorce, uh, um, yeah, divorce, divorce. He's like, "Hey, kid, I like how you condom." You've got to be now. The only thing is, is like it, it feels a little WWE ish. It's like if you can win this, you remember whenever he never got drafted, yeah, and he had to go to SmackDown and change. Like, well, if you can find a partner and win, then you can have a contract. So, 
that was kind of, but they're doing that too because they have what talk shop mania. Like yeah. they showed a preview for it, and it's just fashion WWE something fierce, which is okay. That's how you get the ratings. You make fun of the company. You know what I'm saying? Look at AEW. AEW did little jabs too, but this talk shop mania that they're going to have on site. Looks like this just all balls out. I'm going to make fun of WWE, but I like it though because Heath Miller pulled it over on on Moose, and Moose is supposed to be this intellectual big champion guy. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really good. That yeah. that that and the Good Brothers. Those are the two things that stuck out. Yeah, I think I I like I like that the the storyline that they're doing with with Heath. I I think it's mm-hmm. I think they're taking they're taking advantage of the opportunity of the opportunity that he. He did at WWE and is doing kind of mm-hmm. almost almost the same stuff, but um, mm-hmm. that's a different take on it because he he's there now and he's trying to he's trying to you know make a, make an impact on Impact. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I kind of like true. it, and, and I I have to agree with you too. I like I like the Good Brothers, and I think they're going to um, they're going to get those guys over big time, man. Not, mm-hmm. not, like, but, I didn't even know who Reno Scum was. They but were I like Reno Scum now. They were they were an impact uh, like maybe a year ago. Okay. And and the little guy I can't think of the little guy's name. I think his um um Luster is his name, I think. L- okay. No, no. Adam Adam Thornstone. He he oh, got, okay. he had a shoulder like a shoulder injury and he never re- he didn't recover from that so that the other guy, Lester, the big guy with the mohawk, he um, he's he's not a good. I, I think, in, in my opinion, he wasn't a good singles guy. So, yeah, they kind of like they kind of put him, like, they kind of put yeah, put him in the back burner, and so they finally came back. Gotcha. So they, they it was kind of it was kind of odd because they had a lot of momentum whenever they first came in, and the mm-hmm. guy the guy got hurt. So anyway. Yeah, but I like it. It's filled out in the parking lot, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is Impact Attitude-ish era. I like it. Yeah, I like what they're doing. I really do. I like the, the Good Brothers gimmick. And the, I'm not, here's the thing. Ever since I've watched NJPW, the the first episode made me love Fall in Love with Nakamura, mm-hmm. but then I saw Machine Guns. Uh, Carl Anderson, and then I started watching other matches with him in it because he had a match with Shinsuke, and it was really, really good. Like, that's the one thing I didn't like about WWE. Like, they didn't let Machine Gun Carl Anderson or Carl Anderson, I don't call him. never mm-hmm. let him really wrestle. Like, he is an amazing wrestler. He's a great worker. Yeah. He's got phenomenal skills. And then, like, on the Good Brothers match versus Reno Stone, like, they actually, like, let him wrestle. And I was like, that's what I've missed because uh, he's so good and Car- and and Big Luke Gallows is a great wrestler when you let him actually wrestle. Yeah. So that's what I like the most. I'm like, just use them properly. Let them wrestle. Let them do what they're supposed. Let them let them do their talent that they have. Let them do their craft because they're amazing. Like all their matches they have when they were in a Bullet Club, oh, was just top um, notch. What did, What did you think about Wrestle House? <laughs> <laughs> so I was upset when I thought it was Legends House. Yeah, I was very upset about that. But I like that it's the whole thing of Rosemary wants to get what is what is Valkyrie's assistant guy's name? Um, um Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo. <laughs> I I like the whole thing is Rosemary wants to. Wants to wants to be with Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo wants to lose his virginity because he's a virgin, extra extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> um, 
And the entire Valkyrie is there, and Rosemary is mad. She brought all these people in. And I like it when you let Tommy Dreamer be a comedian. Uh, and I love Crazy Steve. I don't know if we never talked about that. He was one of the first wrestlers I've ever got a retweet from. Because when he first came out, I think I told you about that. When he first came out on the tricycle and the balloon, I thought it was great because he did a wrestling match with the balloon. I thought it was great. And I, I posted about it on Twitter, and I got Crazy Steve like your tweet. I was like, oh, and it was like, Crazy Steve, Crazy Steve follows you. I was like, oh, my God, Crazy Steve. Um, so I like that he wanted to play in the, in the, in the, in the ring as his bed and yeah. AJ Romero's like, no. He's, and the whole wrestling fight, he's like, look at sure. Look, it's like, a, hu- it's, it's a huge ring. They could both sleep there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. And then, and then you let, uh, you let Kylie Ray be the ref. Yeah. And then as soon as he did that, you have Tyler Valkyrie, like he didn't really try hard enough. You suck. <laughs> I, I, I had a unco- unconscious bias, like, oh, crap, it's going to be Legends House. Yeah. And that actually made me laugh. I thought you know, it was great. And I, I was like, oh, okay. I actually thought I actually thought it was an actual a show, and I and I I go oh okay it's uh yeah it's it's just a gimmick they're just doing that because mm-hmm. I, I I would probably watch it if it wasn't really a show so yeah yeah it made me laugh I was like okay because if it makes me laugh I'm all about it and I thought it was great because I love crazy Steve he's just like can I just have a corner look yeah. I'll lay on top of the rope I won't even lay on your way so <laughs> I thought it was funny um let's move over to AEW what were your takes on this one. Jericho, amazing! Like, yeah. like he's so smart, but he doesn't know about a dry cleaner. <laughs> his jacket's more orange, and it smells like cat pee. Kids like cat pee, and they <laughs> and they and they keep telling him. They keep telling him because why did you say that for? You mean light him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at the at the stadium stampede, he was the one that was always he always oversaid, and I love it. Um. I just love it whenever he gets a dirty and just yelled at him for no reason. <laughs> and it made me laugh. I was like, you're so extra. Um, but I like that because I've been reading the reports that Mark Hardy's like, I came back with a broken gimmick. Yeah. But that's a crowd thing. And I knew there was supposed to be crowds here, but now I'm going to be Matt Hardy. Yeah. So I like that as soon as I like the second week that Sonny Gavari's back. He's already, again, I like the thing, the difference and I say it all the time, and I'll keep saying it, the difference between AEW and WWE is AEW's storyline stops. Yeah. They still go back to it. WWE would just kill a storyline out of nowhere and make it feel like it never happened. Like, it, like the biggest one to date is, we work for you. You're the fans. We're right. going to do better. Well, but then it's like two weeks later, it was, it was already again, and yeah. it's like it never happened. But like you had... Sammy Guevara go away, Matt Hardy went away. And Guevara comes back, Matt Hardy's immediately back. Yeah. And that storyline has never stopped. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I really that's like That's what I like. The, the little pay attention to like details and stuff was really, really good about and that. And that's what you need to have in wrestling. Because like I said, I, was, uh, I followed a Facebook page called uh, Something Heals of Wrestling. And I was watching it and they were talking, I was reading one. And it was one whenever Vince uh, McMahon started trying to do the, the global dominance when he cheated his dad out of the company. And you had Jerry Lawler versus, oh my God, I think it was Nick Bockwinkel. I don't know, I'm, I'm John and Blake. But anyways, he went down to Memphis. He was in the AWA. He went down to Memphis for two years and had a program with, with Jerry Lawler. Um, but that's what you need in wrestling. It's like you're, you, you don't, 
if you're going to be a casual fan where you're just going to be on autopilot where, oh, I can miss a year and come back and I don't really need to pay attention because all the storylines are the same, I've fallen into that. Like when I stopped watching wrestling for like six years, I came back to it. I was like, oh yeah, one week I'm, like, I'm caught up. Everything's the same. Cool. Today, but if you're really going to watch wrestling, you have to you have to be vested. You have to be there because if you sleep on it and you come back a month later, yeah, you the storylines are changing. You miss something, yeah, and now you, miss you a lot. missed yeah. out. And that's 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 true wrestling. You, you know what I'm saying? Like like during the territory days, you know that you had to pay attention because if you didn't, you were lost. Well, why is this person fighting this person? Well, I don't understand what's going on. So that's what I like about AEW. Like they don't just because somebody got put on suspension for thirty days doesn't mean well their storyline's no good. No, you keep that storyline because you started it and you need to even if you go somewhere and it doesn't really pan out, then you kill it, that's fine. But just because someone goes away for thirty days, you don't just kill a storyline. Um, you hold on to it and you come back. Yeah. Um I did like Matt Cardona's uh preview. Oh. So I like it, yes. But what 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 kind of bugged me a little bit, and it, maybe I'm, I'm making a big deal out of it, is that yeah. he kind of he kind of outshone uh, Warhorse when Warhorse, you know, because he had a great match with, with Cody, and but I you know I get it, you know they they only got one show, so they got to do this stuff, and I, mm-hmm. I thought, you know I don't know I kind of go mm, what, but I liked it. Yeah, Warhorse is nice as a man, four thousand pounds of of heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made me laugh when I heard that. I was like, oh, that's really good. He rocks ass, too. <laughs> yeah. He, he, in the middle, he doesn't, like, he, yeah. he could have won so many times, but he taunted, he taunted his heavy metal. Yeah. And I thought it was great. Um, I got bugged by Brody Lee. And not because of Brody Lee, but I don't know, like, I was watching him, mm-hmm. and, it, and I think it's his beard is bushy. Now, here's the thing. I, I'm a man with a beard. I just got my beard cut, and my face looks totally different. Yeah. When your beard grows, I, you have a beard. When, you're, when your beard starts to get too bushy, your face looks fat. When he was talking, like, his cheeks made his face look really weird. And I was trying to determine, had he gained, had he gained like, weight all over from, like, quarantine? Or is his beard just really bushy and needs to trim it? And yeah. it really... Like it, like my OCDness came out, and I'm like watching. I'm like, no, that's his beard. So I had to rewind it. I had to rewind it like twice to hear what he was saying, because <laughs> I'm like, I focused in on. I'm like, okay, is this is what's going on? Because it just made him look really weird. It made him look cartoonish, like a gopher, and it was bugging me. And I was, and again, nothing to do with anything, but I just could not get past it. And I'm like, I just said, okay, it's, it's his beard's bushy. Made his face look weird, and then I rewound it and I listened. But yeah, no, he did. He outshone him. Uh, he outshone the Warhorse match just a little bit. But he's friends with Cody, so I yeah. think maybe that's why that happened. He looked not he, really from Warhorse because Warhorse was it was a great match. Yeah, he looked um, uh, Matt Cardone. Jack. He looked jacked, didn't he? Oh my god, he didn't look anything like Zack Ryder. He wasn't skinny. It looked like he went to the Monster Factory. He sure looked like he was doing the Rough Rider pretty good, though. <laughs> he did. He did. But he looked like he hit the... Because, you know, when Seamus uh, was off for just a little bit... Oh, was he, he really? Okay. Uh, first came, No, when he first came out, and he fought John Cena, and what was it? Um, uh, who was in his corner? Oh, Roddy Roddy Piper was in his corner, mm-hmm. and he fought John Cena for a little bit, and then he was off show for, like, like five, six months, and he came back, and he was all jacked, and he went to the Monster Factory. Yeah. Um, 
that's they make you jack like a freak. Um, but yeah, he was super. He was super big. I was like, oh my god. He just, um, I the one thing I really liked about it was I like FTR hit uh, Brody Lee with the cooler of beer. <laughs> Yeah, they took them out. Second, second week, <laughs> second week in a row, they like did that. They did that gimmick. So. Oh, it's so good! It was kind of like whenever Lance Archer first came out and killed uh, what's his face with the kick. I was like, "Who's yeah. in red? He killed that poor man in red." It was like that. It was yeah. a cooler beer, and it's not even a good cooler either. It's like the one you buy from Walmart for yeah. a buck fifty. <laughs> you break it, and they just keep running. I'm like, oh. It's those little things that make me laugh that I really like about it. It's like the little the little details. It's I know. Like, who, it's like it's like they took him out with a cooler beer and they're still running to the right. Like they didn't even stop. It I know. Who, who carries an ice cooler to go defend somebody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, so good. But I I am, uh, I am really excited about uh, this uh, AEW Women's World Championship. Oh, um, yeah. The the tag tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm actually real excited about that because normally I, I, you know, I don't really talk really highly of the AEW yeah. women roster right now, and I, yeah. but I, I'm excited about it because they they have a, a chance to showcase. So, mm-hmm. and I, I think I'm most excited about it because they're using a lot of free agents. Like I don't like Cameron. I don't like her in WWE. I don't know what her real name is. Like uh-huh. Nia, uh, Nia Rose through purple. I mean, she's like, no one else through purple. And now she's teamed up with Cameron. And you could tell neither of them really wanted to be teamed up with her. Like, like Vicky and Nyla both looked like they did not want her as their partner. But they have to use the free the free talent, the free agency. Yeah. So I'm excited. What I'm most excited about is who am I going to see? Because there's a lot of great female wrestlers out there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you could see... Uh, Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, Tessa could be there because she's a free agent. She, you know what I'm saying. If they get her, there they will be big time because she is big time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'm saying. A lot of them, a lot of the women in this thing, I was reading because I was reading up on it because it, it is interesting the concept that they had, and they do have women on their roster. But they said that they talked about like they are going to use not a lot, but they're going to use quite a few free agency female wrestlers from around the globe yeah. is what they said. I mean, well, they, around the globe could mean two promotions, three states down. Last week they had, um, I know you, I know you know her. Um, what's her name? Um, Ivelisse was there last yeah. week. And she oh my was, God. I was, was you Dina Monte? Yeah. Oh, Ivelisse. I, I, I was very, I liked her. Here's the thing, but she was on tough enough. I liked her. Yeah. She it was not a great wrestler. And then Stone Cold had that talk with her because she, she put in the work. Like she was doing those private wrestling sessions with him. And he was like, look, you're not going to, you're not going to make it to the WWE, but you're, he had that, he had that heart to heart with her. And he was very nice. And he's like, you need to, you need to become better at your craft. You're not afraid of work. Go to a, go to one of the promotions where you can shine and then work your way up. So then she went away, and then she went over to to Mexico and was in Lucha Underground. I was right. very excited to see her there. She was good and there. Then, she was good there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Baddest bitch in the building. Um, and then she was on. I saw her. She was going to fight Dina Monte. I don't even know who Dina Monte is. But I saw she, you. she was on Impact. She, she was with LAX for the longest time. I see. I never watched Impact during LA. The yeah. reason I know I make that one joke about the kid getting run over by the right, car right. is because it made it made front media news, and I watched it, and it was so cheesy. She I, was with LAX when when Conan was there, 
and they had mm-hmm. uh, they had Hernandez and they had um, nice. Homicide because I remember they attacked they attacked Rosemary, Crazy Steve, and Abyss whenever they yeah. whenever they had the the tag title they were called Decay. So she was with them. Yeah. She she would attack Rosemary, and the rest of them would attack Abyss and Crazy Steve. But That's fine. I um, like Decay. But yeah, no, I was, and then I saw Brian Pillman Jr. He was actually in the crowd. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I texted you about that. I was super happy about that. So they had a lot of good stuff. Like, like I like that they they drop they drop hints. They they, they plant, like I said, planting seeds. Yeah. And, and and that's what I like about it because it's not like WWE will do a promo package for like three years, and then the person they bring in may not make it. But yeah. like they do the subtle plants. Like you'll see someone in the like Vicky Guerrero. They never made a big deal out of her. But they would pan the thing, and they seen her like Tony Schiavone before he became the announcer. He was at uh, the first big Kibri they had because we were like, "Oh my God, is that Tony Schiavone?" So I texted Lisa. She texted Jr. and Jr. was like, "I don't I, maybe," but it was very vague. And then Tony Schiavone was there. I was like, "Oh my God, that is Tony Schiavone!" So I um, like the way they do it. Like they're yeah. very subtle. Let's uh, let's jump over to NXT. Um, okay. Because I know I didn't watch it, and you didn't watch it either, right? <laughs> no, but I did not. I didn't but, get a chance to. But I am excited about. I didn't get to watch. I mean, I probably watch it after after we mm-hmm. like talk and stuff. Yeah. But I I'm excited that Keith Lee called out Killer Cross. Now I saw I did, I, I again, it was recorded yesterday. I didn't get a chance to watch. It. I'm probably gonna watch it tomorrow while yeah. I'm doing laundry. Um. But I, I, I had, the kids were going to bed, so I had turned off our recorded, not recorded, I, I turned off one of the shows, that we were watching Monday Night Raw last night, and it was whenever Keith Lee was doing a, it was, from what I saw, very emotional. Like, he had a lot of emotion in his face and his words, but I heard him, I heard him say, Perry and Cross! I was like, oh, but I couldn't watch it because the kids were in the room. But yeah, I, I, I did read that that segment was a very, it was very well received. They, 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 they did, he did a very good job at it. Um, and I, I really want to watch um, Dexter Loomis, uh, Timothy Thatcher, <laughs> and Finn Balor for the triple threat match for the mm. North American title. Yes. I, I, I want to watch oh that God. one because that, that Dexter is like, he's becoming one mm-hmm. of my favorite wrestlers now. Um mm. I loved him so much. I didn't like him at first. Yeah. We've even talked about it. Yep. But the million yard stare. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, so. Well, I don't think he does on his knees. Like, he glides on his knee pads. Like, yeah. I feel like there's, I feel like it's, they, they took the shoes. Remember my, my son, my oldest son. Yeah. When he was a teenager, he would have them. He'd walk and he'd get on his heels and the, and the wheels would come out. He would skate. He would roller, he would rollerblade around the store. I feel like he has those built into his kneecaps because it's so smooth and so seamless. Yeah, he. Well, the thing about him is that what I like about him so much is that he's selling out on this character big time, and it shows. It does, and 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 like even whenever he gets hurt, like he has like, like he'll get hurt, but then like you'll see a moment of pain, but then it goes back to like no emotion. Yeah. I really like what he's doing with this character. Uh, like, there's so many layers to this character. Like, you thought, okay, he was a really creepy guy. And then, out of nowhere, he's helping the uh, Velveteen Dream. And then he hones in on Roddy Strong. And then he hones in on the Undisputed Era. 
And it's like, I don't even need them to build up a robbery. Like, why is he fighting Timothy Thatcher? Why is he fighting the other guy? I have no idea. But his character, it doesn't matter. It's like, boom. And I can see maybe a little bit because uh, Timothy Thatcher is all about the pain. And no one's really been able to make Dexter Loomis show like he's been hurt. So maybe that's an angle to go for. It's, yeah. it's just really weird. But I'm super excited. I don't think Dexter Loomis is going to win. But I really want to see if he wins. I hope he does. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm actually, I'm actually, mm-hmm. looking, I'm actually looking forward to actually watching that because I didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to. So, um, and then we'll, we can like briefly discuss it like next week if, yeah. if we talk. So, mm-hmm. but I think, I think that's gonna do it for us, man. Okay, we're like, sounds good. We're like 45 seconds in. Ooh, man. Yeah, have a good one. All right, talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> I must bid you adieu, and so, goodbye, and good night, bye!